Amen, amen. Yeah, so, so Pat mentioned I am in Boynton Beach, Florida. Uh, it is closer to Cuba than Georgia. Uh, it, uh, it, it is hot most of the time. It's always summer. And, uh, but God has been so faithful in blessing the ministry uh, going on there. And, 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 you know, when I got there, I, I was there 100 days before COVID hit. And uh, what a joy that was. Like, well, Lord... Uh, you know, is this what you wanted me to do, right? And, uh, but God was so faithful, uh, and has been faithful throughout the year and a half that me and my family have, have been there. I mean, one of those signs of faithfulness has been, I got to baptize my son at Easter. He came to faith in Christ. I got to baptize my son at Easter. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, praise God. You know, some of you babysat Josiah and thought that might never happen, uh, but God was faithful uh, to me and, and, and our family and, and just so thankful for all he's doing in the life uh, of my family and our church and, and uh, really just blessed by the Lord. So we're in Matthew 5 today. And, you know, when I heard uh, you know, that uh, the passage that I was going to be preaching. I'm preaching the passage on you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. You've probably heard that passage before and really two thoughts kind of went through my head. One thought was, okay, if as a pastor, I can't preach you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, I need a new job. Uh, you know, it's like, that's what you, you know, how, that's one of the passages you go to to preach, you know, a, a ton of times. The second thing I thought though, when in reading it and, and beginning to kind of study it is, I wonder if there's something more to this than what's on the surface. And, and by that, I don't mean some kind of new enlightenment or new revelation or anything like that. Simply, I mean, is Jesus commanding us to just be better? Because primarily when I've kind of read sermons or was looking through sermons on you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, oftentimes the main takeaway of that text is do better, be better, try harder, uh, love your neighbor better, uh, you know, shine out, you know, we have songs. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, right? <laughs> you know, don't let Satan blow it out, whatever, you know? And so we've, we've done this whole bit with salt and light and that, that, that it's kind of been this, this, this play on you to do better. But, what, but before I kind of get into what I think the passage actually says, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna lay that on the backdrop of our culture. Uh, because if you remember previous to this in the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus is, is, is telling them how to have heart transformation and, and, and really kind of telling his disciples that they're gonna experience persecution. So you line those things up, heart transformation, persecution with this idea of go do better, be better. And it's not adding up to me. And, and you lay that on the backdrop of our culture. And if we are just helpful people to the culture and society and the world, that will invoke no persecution. Uh, no one persecutes philanthropists. That, you know, the culture would not say, stop doing nice things for us. That would never happen, right? So there's gotta be something more to uh, the, the idea of, uh, you, you know, what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? What does it mean to be the light of the world? And, and in, in particular, I think there's a, a step in being the salt of the, light, uh, of the earth, light of the world that, that brings with it the gospel. And, and particularly, I mean, I think the world sits back and says, we're fine with you doing nice things. We're fine with you helping the poor. We're fine with you doing all those kinds of things. But where we draw the line is when you begin to speak about th such things as sin, Judgment, wrath, 
um, Jesus, the cross. If you could keep those things out of it, we love you. But if you begin to add those things into it, we, 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 don't, we don't want any part of that. And so, you know, so, so when Jesus is saying to his disciples, you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, it's got to be more than just be decent humans to the people around you. Just be nicer. Just wear a Christian t-shirt or, or a bracelet or a necklace, a cross tattoo. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be deeper than that. And I think that's what we're going to get into. So, so let me read a little bit here uh, and, and, and we'll stop. But uh, because really, I'm just going to hit the high points of the passage, the salt of the earth, light of the world, and to the glory of God. Uh, but ultimately, I think we're going to get to the end and see that it's for the gospel of Christ. So let's, let's, let's read. Starting in verse 13, chapter five. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Let me stop there for a minute. Salt was currency in this day. I mean, uh, it was so helpful for a lot of different things. It, it obviously, it was used to preserve food. It was so, so it would help food to last longer. Today, we just fill our food full of preservatives and put it in the refrigerator. And that's how we get food to last. They didn't have those things then. They didn't, they didn't put these preservatives into the food and they don't, didn't have refrigerators. And so they would put it in salt to make the food last longer. Uh, salt had healing uh, medicinal purposes. They would use salt in wounds and, 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 and different things like that. So, so salt was a big deal in this day and age, particularly, you know, um, um, you, you hear someone say he's, uh, it's where we get the phrase, he's worth his salt, you know, uh, because you know, that, that had, had worth to it, had value to it. If you were worth your salt, it means you, you, you had value to you. And so it was very, huge in, in Jesus' day, salt was currency. I mean, it was a big deal to have salt. And so him, Jesus, then taking a step back and say, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying several things that correlate with, with salt as they knew it. First of all, uh, what he's indicting the world of is decay. As food would decay without some kind of preservative, as food would continue to get worse and spoil without some kind of preservative, so goes our culture. He's indicting the world and saying, hey, the world is not getting better. The world is in decline. The world is in decay and it needs salt. It needs to be preserved. It needs to be helped. And you are the salt of the world. I don't have to convince you that the world's getting worse, right? I mean, matter of fact, many of us have spent the last 14 months, year and a half or whatever, living in this constant state of this place is, I mean, everyone, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know what to do. And then a lot of churches and Christians have displayed the role of chicken little, but like the sky is falling. We've lost control. Let's just all hide in some kind of holy huddle and just let them do their thing. And we're going to hide over here, right? I don't have to convince you that the world has, I mean, just turn on the news for a few minutes and you'll be convinced that the world is in decay or your Facebook feed, right? Get past the 14 ads and everything censored. And then you can get to, you know, something that says, oh yeah, the world's, yeah, terrible. And, and, and we can get there really quick. 
that wasn't the, that that. It wasn't different from Jesus' day. I mean, they were under Roman oppression. Uh, the, the Roman empire was a wicked empire in a lot of ways. And so, a uh, matter of fact, that's what the, the Jews wanted in a Messiah. They wanted him to come and restore the theonomy, the theocracy there, that, that God would rule and reign instead of this wicked, evil government empire. And so they thought the culture was was wicked and decaying, we think the same thing. And it is true. The world is continuing on this slide. It's not getting better. Slippery slopes don't go up. I mean, it is getting worse. The answer to that problem is not political reform. It's, it's not any of the ways that we often try to fix the world. The answer to the problem is you. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus has said unto his disciples, and therefore unto us, you are the salt of the earth. Not your rants on Facebook. Not your idea to correct everything around you. How are you bringing salt to preserve and to heal a land that is in decline and in decay? You are the salt of the earth. Us. We're to be the healing agents for the wounds of the world. And no doubt about it, the world has wounds. They're continuing to think they've got it all together while they run to the wicked wells of the world that run dry entirely. And we're the ones coming in and saying, we have the, the, the one that gives living water that never runs out and never runs dry. Come and drink. Come and drink. We are the salts of the earth. So something that's um, um, important to understand about salt and, uh, and, and, and our implication in this is, and again, I, w- I want to kind of put the brakes on you for a moment because what you might be thinking in salt of the earth, light of the world, what you might be thinking is, okay, I can do that. I, I can do better. I, I can be better. I-, I can work harder. I can try something else. But, but, but what Jesus is equating here, he's telling them not what they should do. He's telling them who they are. He, he's telling them who they are. So, so maybe you're in here and, and you're a new believer. Or you're, you've kind of been, uh, maybe you are a believer that, that is, um, you know, kind of apathetic with your faith or, or mediocre in some of the things you believe about God. And you think, okay, that's cute and everything, but that's for someone else. That's great, but that's, no, no, listen. If you are a believer in Christ, he says that you are the salt of the earth. It's what he has made you to be. How are you salty? And I don't mean angry kind of salty. I mean, how are you improving upon the world? How are you uh, preserving the, the, uh, the world? And not only preserving them in their values, I'm talking about the biblical values, the biblical worldview. How are you bringing health and healing to a broken and hurting world? How are we being salt of, uh, of the earth? Now, then he's gonna go on and, uh, and he, he talks about if salt loses its saltiness, how can it ever be used again? And, and I, I, I'm of the opinion, I mean, there's a lot of commentaries that talk about how, uh, you know, given all these theories to how salt loses its saltiness, I think Jesus is doing, um, being ironic, being more ironic. Because the same thing with the light, how, how can a light not shine? 
a light is going to shine. In the same way, salt is going to be salty. You, if you have been redeemed by Christ, you are going to, you are the salt of the world. You have no choice but to enter into something that is bland and make it more salty. You, you have, that, that is who we are. That is what we do. That any kind of environment that we enter into, that we're bringing the light of Christ into it. That's who we are. That's what we do. And so he's saying, this is your identity. It's not something you put on. It's who you are. It's what Christ has made you. And then let me read to you uh, the light of the world. The, the, starting verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. City on a, uh, set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, again, by default, Jesus is saying the world is a dark place. Um, he's saying the world is a dark place, and he says, you are the light of the world. Again, we don't have to be convinced that the world is a dark place. We know that the world is a dark place. Uh, we, we, we know, and, and, and we have further testimony all throughout Scripture. Paul talks about how we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light, that the world is darkness. We, we, we talk about how, um, in, in Corinthians, talk about the believers, un, unbelievers are blinded. Their, their eyes and their minds are blinded by the evil one. So they're blind. They're in darkness. They walk in light. Let, let me tell you this story. Last night, we got in last night about five uh, in the evening and uh, we hung out at my in-law's house and, and uh, I'm here with my, my staff team. There's four of us uh, here. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're going to the convention this week. That's why we're in town anyway. And, and, and so we're staying at my in-laws. And uh, in my in-laws upstairs, there is the bathroom door right here. Let me turn this way. Bathroom door right here. And then right next to it is the stairwell. And, uh, you know, my youth pastor, he's, he's in the middle of the night. He's got to go use the bathroom. And so he's getting up as you do in the dark because everyone's kind of sleeping everywhere up there, but you're kind of feeling around as you do at four in the morning and, and uh, trying to find where the, the, the bathroom is. And, and, and he opens one door and at four in the morning, I just get woken up by go, 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 go. My man just home slide, home plate slid uh, into the bottom of the stairs and uh, because he couldn't see. He was in the dark. Light always brings with it a, a improvement upon what we see as true, right? So A, when we are called the light of the world, we have the responsibility to continue to say, that's the wrong door. That's not the bathroom. You're going to fall down the stairs. He's like all bleeding and stuff. He's fine. He's all right. He's young. He'll bounce back. Me, I'd be like, I'm done. Pull me out, coach. That's the wrong door. We have the responsibility as, as well, you know, the light of the world to, to uh, continue to hold high what is true, to continue to hold high, regardless of what the world wants to hear. They're falling down the stairs. And for us just to say, 
keep going, you're fine. That's not loving. That's actually, it's actually wicked. I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the scriptures where it talks about we are watchmen on the wall. And if we know that something is going to happen and we don't sound the alarm, their blood is on our hands. We have the responsibility to be the light of the world. Not only does light uh, uh, shine forth truth, it also, uh, and salt, it improves uh, every situation. Uh, you think about back to salt, if you get a terrible meal, it tastes horrible, you could at least salt it up enough to gum it down, right? Uh, I mean, this, yeah, this was a terrible meal. You, you would never tell your spouse that. I'm talking about when you go to somewhere else and eat a meal, right? Uh, and, and you just salt it up. <laughs> I saw some elbows. Uh, you salt it up in, until you can you know, get it down. Same thing with light. Light always improves the situation. If the light was on, even a small little light, uh, you know, you find the right door. You get, you don't fall down the stairs. You, you, you know, you don't have to grope around the wall for the light. You, 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 you are able to, to see more clearly. It improves every situation. So if you, if we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, we then are by that change of identity and that new nature then set in every environment that we're in to make it better. To make it better. To, to, to bless it. That, that means on a very practical level, your workplace should be better because you are in it. And if you were to not be in it, that it would be worse. Your family should be improved because you are in it. You are salt of the earth, light of the world. Your neighborhood should be better because you are in it. And I'm not talking about just your lawn looks nice. You don't have 14 yard gnomes. You, you know, park four boats in your front yard. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, that because you're in it, the people of that community are blessed. Your kids' ball teams should be better because you're in them. I-24 should be better because you are on it. Both in your response to people cutting you off and also because you don't drive terrible, all right? That's, I think that's the responsibility from Scripture. The things that you are involved in should be better because you're in it. Salt of the earth, light of the world. These are responsibilities. This is who we are. And anything we set our hands to, we're not just, we're not just saying, okay, I'm going to work around, but we're bringing the presence of God. We're bringing the presence of God with us. You are the light of, of the world. Where do we get our light from? Let me read to you John 8 and 8, 12. This is Jesus uh, speaking, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are. As we go, so goes the light of God into the darkness of the world. This is why the scriptures talk about that the, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Darkness flees when light enters the room. So, so we have 
we take with us the very presence of God. When we step into a room, when we, we, we step into, you know, we're, we're meeting with the, you know, the, the school board or we're meeting wherever, whatever kind of environment we're walking into. We're not just going in there to fight for our own rights or fight for what we, we think should be right. We're going in there as a very representative of Jesus Christ. We are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I love what Jesus then goes on to say. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Um, A, you know, um, because your identity has been changed, for those who are in Christ, they begin to understand I am that light and I want to shine that light. For anyone who would want to put a bushel over a light, I would begin to lovingly challenge to, to ask, are you in fact a light? <laughs> Are you in fact saved? Because those who have been regenerated, meaning means that they have been changed, they've been transformed from the inside. The things of the Beatitudes are becoming true in them because of the work that Christ is doing. Those individuals want to shine light to the world. We're not gonna do that perfectly, but we desire to do it perfectly. We desire to proclaim Christ and him crucified. But we, we desire those things. And so we're not going to hide it under, we're not going to hide it uh, from the world. We're, we're going to shine it. And here's the thing about light that, that is obvious, but we should know it. But I, I want to make some very spiritual applications to it. it. It is the complete contrast of dark. Uh, scriptures goes as far to say, what uh, can light have in common with darkness? Now, Pump the brakes in case you're saying, all right, great. I'm going to become Amish, make my own butter, hide in the woods, become ascetic, and never see people again. Now, you laugh, but a lot of us do that. We're not, we're not making our butter or getting to the woods, but we do it in our garages. Never want to see anybody. Right? You're basically a monk. Except you watch ESPN or something. So, so light is so contrast, so different from darkness that, that, that it's not, when he says that, uh, what does light have in common with darkness? He's not talking about that, um, that the, the world and the church are never going to work together. I mean, work together, meaning they're never going to uh, interact with one another. They're not going to haul away in some kind of monastery and, and, and get away and separate themselves entirely from the world. What he means by this is he's saying, when light shines, darkness flees. And light should continue to shine in the darkness. Should continue to shine in the darkness. And so we have the responsibility to continue to shine light, to walk in light. Another thing that, uh, you, you know, uh, with light that we need to continue to understand is um, um, the smallest of lights. You, you might be discouraged in here already thinking, okay, well, David, you don't know me. I struggle to do this. I struggle to do this. You know, you know. the smallest light lights up the, the darkest rooms. And, and I say that to, to say, I know we're in all different walks of our faith in this room. Many of you came in here, you've been believers, you know, since you were a young child, you're 107 now, and, you know, you've got the Bible memorized, and good for you, you know, great. And there's others of you, you've been saved two weeks. Or maybe you've been saved for a long time, but you haven't taken God seriously. 
And so what I want to encourage you in is uh, this isn't a, 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 a demand for the most mature believers to be a light in the world. So, no, no. This is who you are if you are in Christ. You are a light of the world. So, so we have the responsibility then to, to shine, to, 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 um, to continue to shine forth the light of Christ into the world, no matter how small our opportunities or how large our opportunities, God has entrusted to you the light of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we have a responsibility to shine that, that forth. Now, I wanna talk about two things um, as we kind of get to the uh, end. The why, why has Christ made us salt of the earth, light of the world, and how? Um, how do we become more salty and, and, and have more light? How, how do we do that? So the why is for God's glory. It's for God's glory. You know, the end of the passage says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? And give glory to your father who is in heaven. Um, one of the common messages th- throughout Jesus while he's walking on the planet is, is for, for, for uh, the disciples to do things different than the Pharisees did them. And the Pharisees did things so that they could be seen. And so, so for us to be salt of the earth and light of the world, how does that message mix with so that the world may see and give glory to your father in heaven when he's in the next chapter about to say, do your praying in secret. Do your good deeds. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. How do those, how do those fit together? What, what, what does that even look like? What, what, it looks like this. Uh, our works, are, the things that we do, aren't to be do, done to broadcast to the world and say, look how awesome I am. That's, that's not the intent of our good works. Matter of fact, look at the passage closely with me. It says this, uh, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works. So the light is not the good works. The light is able to shine on the good works. Let me explain it to you like this. Uh, As you know, prevalent in our culture, particularly church culture, uh, is what is typically called a social justice movement, where often churches will be very passionate about serving the needs of the world. And absolutely, we need to be, no, no doubt about it. We, we should be a people that are taking care of the poor, taking care of the widow. Uh, you, you know, there's the saying that says, um, empty bellies have no ears. So it's important for us to meet needs all, all around us. But the problem oftentimes with social justice movement is that's where it stops. And the danger in that is that if we, and, and let me liken this in our world to your good deeds, uh, the, the things you do for you know, your community or the people around you. We're in danger of, if we just do good stuff for people, we're very close to preaching a false gospel. And, and what I mean by that, imagine uh, your neighbor, you've been living by your neighbor for a number of years and they begin to kind of clue in that it seems like, and you know this isn't true, but it kind of seems like that you've got your life a little more together than they do. And so they begin to come and ask you about that. And, and, and you've blessed them through the years. Maybe you mowed their grass when they were out of town or you brought them some kind of 
fruit or vegetable from, everybody's got a garden now, so some kind of vegetable from your garden, right? your box garden, and, 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 and you just bless them, and they just come and say, man, something's different about you. Um, you, you I see you serving in the community. I, I see, you know, you, you know you, you're just a ni- you're nice. You know, you're not like the other neighbor who no one likes. You're just... So why are you like that? Because my life is a mess. And let's just imagine you just said, you know, it's because I'm awesome. Yeah, I figured it out, man. I mean, you know, good luck to you, you know. Um, you, you know, we might, we might not say it to that extreme, but so often we don't get the opportunity to proclaim Christ. And so what happens with our good deeds, what happens with our social justice is the world looks on and they, they don't hear anything about the truth of Christ. And they think the, the, the deeds that we do, or the morality that they see, the righteousness that they see portrayed to them and to the world, they think that we did that in our own power. And so they begin to say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. If I just work real hard, if I try to be more disciplined, or if I get some kind of self-help book, or if I wash my face, or if I, if I get my best life now, then I can figure this thing out, and, and then maybe I can be like them. We're in danger of preaching a false gospel. Let's rewind the tape and, and play the scenario again. Let's say that neighbor comes to you and says, man, my life's a wreck. You've got it all together. Tell me, how are you doing? He said, man, Can I be completely honest with you? I was a wretch, far from God. I would go as far to say I hated him. I was born hating him. I wanted nothing to do with him. I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with the scriptures. I wanted nothing to do with God. But God, being rich in mercy, saved me. And now if there's any righteousness in me, it's not a righteousness of my own. It's the righteousness of Christ. If there's any good in me, it's not a good that is wrought in my own power or effort. It's the good that's come because of him. If there's anything that benefits the community that I'm in, it's not because I'm awesome. It's because he is awesome. And listen to what, listen to what happens then. Listen to what that neighbor then does. He sees your good works and sees the light of Christ that is shining on him and that has empowered you and saved you. And what does he do? He says, if your God can do that in you, I want to give praise to your God. This is what the text is talking about. Shine your light so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's not okay, and this is why I love Life Point Church so much, because they get this. It's not okay to go to the ends of the world to help people and not take the gospel. The, the greatest help that we can offer anybody is the truth that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he's alive, and that God saves sinners through his own son. That is the greatest hope that we can proclaim. Sure, we're going to feed bellies and put clothes on backs. Sure, we're going to, we're going to continue to bless ministries and, 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 and minister to the widows. Sure, we're going to do those things. But we're not doing it without the gospel because where's the power in that? 
There's no morality. See, maybe you're in here and you don't know what Christianity is. And in your head, you think Christianity is just a bunch of rules. If I just am more moral, or if I have better church attendance, or if I get a button-up shirt and, and don't cuss for two hours on Sunday, then God's gonna let me in, right? Wrong. And, 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 and let me be very clear. There are insanely, culturally moral people, philanthropists, generous, serving, that will spend eternity away from God in hell. Because that's not what saves you. That's not what saves anyone. Your good deeds are worthless for your entrance into heaven. Worthless. You stand before God and you present him with your good deeds and he will say that they're like filthy rags before me. And so for us, for believers, we're people that say, no, 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 it's not our good deeds. It's his good deeds. It's Christ's good deeds that I stand upon. And so I'm in him. I trust him. I follow him. So when we stand before God, we're not saying, hey, look how awesome I am. We're saying, Christ has been merciful to me. He has taken my place. He's removed the sin from me as far as the east is from the west. He shed his own blood that I might be made righteous instead of getting what I deserve. That power is found only in Christ. So when the scripture says, you are the light of the world. So, so, so I said, the, the why is for the glory of God. It's, it's not for us to brag about ourselves. It's not for us to, to, to pat ourselves on the back. But the, but the how is that it's, it's through us beholding Christ. I want to read to you a verse uh, because if you're thinking, how, how, how can I be more salty? How, uh, I, I, it's hard for me to say that without giggling because uh, salty is cultural. But uh, how can I uh, be more salt of the earth? How can I be more light of the world? And uh, he, here's how. You behold Christ. I want to read to you uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. says this. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face. Now, let me pause for a second because what he's referencing is he's referencing Moses. If you remember when Moses met with God face to face as a man meets with a man, he, he would come down from the mountain and he would be glowing. And, and the people of God said, bro, cover that up. We can't look at you. And so he would wear a veil to, to shield the people from the glory of God exuding from him. Because, and the reason he had that wasn't because of something awesome in him, it's because he spent time in the presence of God. So we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Here's how you become the salt of the earth. Here's how you are the light of the world. So if, you, you, if you've already started feeling conviction in this place, saying, man, I need to do better. I need to be better. I need to get more salty. I need to be more bright and shining in my light. If you've already begun to feel that, let me, let me, let me bring you back into the gospel. Because the last thing I want to do is give you a bunch of moral to-do lists that you walk out of here saying, okay, I need to do these things better. Here's what we do to become salt of the earth, light of the world. You behold him. 
You behold him. You sit in his presence. And as we behold him, we become like him. The transformation is the work that he does in us. You want to shine a brighter light for the world to see? You don't sign up to go on 14 mission trips and and say, I'm going to do this better. I'm going to be better. No, no, no. You sit in the very presence of God. You behold him. You spend time in his presence. This is why it was beautiful. I just love what Travis was talking about at the beginning of the service when he's talking about the VBSers came in here and they worshiped God. They were uninhibited in their worship of God. What were they doing? And what are we doing every time we come in here together? We're not just singing songs. We're not just spending time in in in, in, in the presence of other believers. We're not just hearing someone yell for 30 to 40 to 50 minutes. We are beholding the presence of our God that we might be transformed into the same image of his from one degree of glory to another. So as we behold him, we become like him. You want to walk as Jesus walked? Behold him. You want to be like Jesus was? Behold him. You want to talk like he talked? Behold him. You want to shine a light like he is the light? You behold him. How do we behold him? We come into his presence and take him seriously. We come into his presence as the church gathers together. We don't take this lightheartedly. We sing seriously. We're making war against the darkness of the world with every chorus that we sing. We come under the preaching of God's word seriously that we would hear it and we're anticipating that the Holy Spirit would transform us into a greater degree of glory. We take the presence of God seriously when we open the scriptures every morning and say, God, would you make me more like Christ? We take him seriously and behold him so that we'll become like him. Um, We will never become like him if we don't continue to behold him. So maybe this is an encouragement to some of you. Maybe some of you, I know LifePoint's been doing a read through the Bible plan and you probably got bogged down in Leviticus. Can we just be honest? And you've been struggling ever since. That's okay. Quit Leviticus and jump to wherever we are. Because as we sit in the presence of God, it's not about checking boxes, man. It's not about checking boxes. It's about sitting in the very presence of God and meeting with him. I think one of the things that's happened in our culture that is very prevalent is is that we have reduced Jesus down to either an idea or a set of doctrines. Instead of remembering he was a man, and he's a man that we meet with, how do you behold the very presence of God? How are you becoming like him? How are we submitting ourselves to him so that he can do the work of making a salt of the earth, light of the world? It's not a bunch of things for us to figure out how to do. It's for us to submit ourselves to Christ and say, do these things in me. Do these things in me. And, and this is the gospel, right? It, it's it's uh, because so often we, we, we have to continue to preach this because our primary uh, default 
slippage when it comes to remembering the gospel is we think, yes, I know Jesus saved me, but now it's up to me to keep it. The reality is this. The only reason you are stayed in Christ is because he has you in his hand and he's never letting you go. That's the only way. And so someone needs to hear the gospel. And and, and this is the gospel, that you were a sinner and you had no hope of saving yourselves. I was a sinner. I had no hope of saving myself. I hated God. I hated church. I had, I had no, and even if you grew up in church, there was a point in time where you, you were a rebel against God. There was nothing in you that could have saved you. But God, being rich in mercy, set his love on you before the foundations of the world and then slayed his son so that in him, he might, he might put on him your sin. Him who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. This is the gospel. Not that you're awesome. You weren't awesome. You were far from awesome. God didn't see you and want you on his team. What God wanted was to make his glory known to the world all around you. He saved you, plucked you up, and made you the light of the world. So if you're in here and you don't know Christ, the band's going to come up. We're actually going to celebrate someone who has given their life to Christ and they're, they're making a declaration of, of that uh, regenerated heart and life through, through baptism, be buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Maybe you're in here and you don't know Christ. Maybe, maybe you are in here and you, you thought you knew what Christianity is or you thought it was rules or you thought it was just... If I go to this church, that makes me a Christian. Or simply maybe you thought because you're not a Muslim, then you must be a Christian. That's not Christianity. Christianity is as simply as I can put it is this, that God saves sinners. And the way God has saved sinners is not swept our sin under the rug. He slayed his own son so that you might have life, both now and eternal. And the scriptures even talk about that it pleased the father to crush the son. How can that please the father to crush the son? The only way is because it is ultimately for the glory of God among the people forever. And so he has saved those who are saved. He's drawn them to himself. He saved them for his own glory's sake. So, so if you're here and you think, man, I, I, I think I can do this. I think I can be good. I think I can figure out what it means to be a Christian. I can maybe, you know, stop the things I'm doing and start doing good things. And, and then I'll be a Christian. No. Maybe I can clean up my life and then Jesus will save me. No. Jesus said very clearly, he didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. The only way for you to be saved is for you to come sinful in hand and say, Jesus, take it. I trust that your work on the cross is both sufficient to take it and efficient to be able to free me from it. Christianity is not about you doing moral principles. It's it's about you coming and dying and being brought to life in Christ. So maybe you need to follow Christ today. 
or maybe you've been in the church a long time, but you've never really heard the gospel. And that's not any preacher's fault. Oftentimes it says, the scripture says that the enemy has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And there's always a testimonies throughout the church world that they begin to say, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, and I never understood the gospel until one day I heard it and God opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. Maybe that's you in here. Maybe you've been in church and you're a good churchman, but you're not a follower of Christ. Don't be too proud to bow your knee to him today. Be saved by him today. So that for his own glory's sake, he can continue to make you the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's pray together, church. Father, Father, we know you're not just calling us to good works. No one persecutes philanthropists. But darkness hates the light. There's no doubt about it. Because when light shines, they have one choice, and that's to flee. And so, Father, I pray that you would continue to make Life Point Church and First Baptist Pointed Church and all the healthy, biblically sound, Christ-exalting churches all over the world shine brighter for the glory of God among the nations. And Father, that you would be exalted to the ends of the earth because you are worthy of exaltation. And Father, that there would be a a, a remnant of people that are being raised up that do shine and are salty, not simply because they've done a to-do list or a bunch of tasks, but because they have beheld their God and the glory of God shines forth from them. So Father, I pray that for everyone here. Let us behold you and in so doing become like you for the purpose of the glory of God through the light and the salt impacting the world. We don't want to waste our lives, God. We don't want to spend it simply on us. We want to behold and become you, like you. If there is a soul that needs saving God, I can't do that. You, please have mercy on that sinner like you had mercy on this sinner. Give sight to blind eyes like you gave sight to these blind eyes. Bring a dead heart to life like you brought this dead heart to life. Be merciful and save today. God, I'm so thankful for the testimony of salvation through baptism, through the symbol of baptism, that you are still saving souls today continue to do that work, God, to the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.